I want my Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum. So I wake up this morning, I look around for my phone to check the time, and much to my dread, it is almost 11 o'clock. Then panic hits me. Not only am I late for church, but I'm supposed to give someone a ride. I shoot up out of bed and scramble around like a headless chicken. What am I going to do? How could I oversleep? And how come no one called me? Then it hits me. In the midst of all this COVID-19 madness, church was canceled, and there was no regular service today. Relieved, I get up. I was about to have myself a good old-fashioned me day. I was going to kick back with some coffee. I was going to relax. There's no sports to watch, but I was going to find something to watch. And I was going to do some work on the computer for my business. Then it hit me. Conviction set in. Yeah, church is canceled, but that doesn't give me the excuse to not spend time with God, not to have my devotion today. So I put down my phone, stepped away from the computer, picked up my Bible, and went outside to read. Funny enough, the passage that I read this morning was perfect for the current situation. Psalm 74 was penned by a Jewish man named Asaph after the Babylonians conquered Israel. The synagogues were burned, the temple was destroyed, and the Jewish people were enslaved. The people wondered why God's anger allowed the invasion and such destruction. And I think of today, and it relates to all the madness going on with COVID-19. There seems to be a wide range of emotions, everything from the young people who seem to not take it seriously and are having a jolly good time on the beach, to the older people who seem to be most affected by this who are afraid. And many people, regardless of age, are in total panic. There seems to be three responses, three reactions that people have. The first group of people are wondering, where is God? Why is he allowing this to happen? The second group of people are using the current chaos, point out the fact that there is no God. And the third group are the people that are looking to God and asking him to remember them in their times of trouble. So as we look at this passage, we're going to notice the three reactions and the different groups of people within the passage. The overwhelming theme of this psalm is, oh God, where are you? This is set in verse 1 when Asaph writes, Oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? That's a natural reaction. Many times when things are going wrong in the world or in your life, we tend to wonder, where is God? Why would he allow these things to happen? What's going on? And how long will this last? It is no different in this passage. Verse 9 and 10 is asking, how long will this last? Why are the people not seeing or hearing anything from God? And as with anything, that seems to be the natural reaction for people who are at least God-fearing, believe in a God, wondering how could he allow these things to happen, whether it be the chaos of, say, September 11, a war, any kind of famine, droughts, fires, anything that goes really bad that really shakes us to the core. People that believe in God tend to ask, why would he allow these things? Why would he allow death and sickness and all sorts of things, wars, anything that is just horrible. Why would God allow that? And at the same time, there's a group of people that are laughing and having a good time, and they're using this tragedy and the chaos to point out the fact that their doubts of God and the rejection of all faith is completely warranted and proved by the fact that we're going through such chaos. And in this passage, you can see that the Babylonians are conquering God's people, taking over everything, destroying everything, and they have no regards for God. In verse 10, Asaph writes, O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? See, that's what tends to happen a lot of times. People who have no belief in God are opposed to faith, tend to blaspheme, speak ill of God, and especially when these things happen. They laugh at Christians, they laugh at Jews, they laugh at whoever has faith in a higher power and say it's silly that they would put their faith in such a being when all this chaos is happening. Why would God unleash such a virus? Where is your God? And things like that. And in the case of this passage, not only are the Babylonians the doubters that they are also the adversaries. They are the ones that are causing this affliction. 
And as things get worse, it only strengthens their position. In verse 22, you read, Remember how the foolish men reproach thee daily. The faithless seem to take comfort in the fact that they believe in no God. And that time they start to boast and speak ill about God even more than before. And it's very disheartening for people with faith because a person with faith might start to question if their faith is even true. What's going on? But there is a third response to this. We're going to look at how one with faith should respond to adversaries, should respond to these serious times. Going back to verse 2, remember thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old. Asaph is turning to God and asking him to remember his people. As much like today, many times when these things are going on, we tend to pray. Churches get together. Well, obviously not my church today was canceled, but we're at home, we're praying, we're meeting with our families, and we're looking to God and asking for God's blessings and protections during these times. In verse 11, Asaph writes, Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. He is literally asking God, why is his hand in his coat pocket? Why is he not doing something? Asaph knows that God is all-powerful. He's acknowledging the fact that it seems that God has withdrawn his hand from his people and is allowing this affliction to happen. But at the same time, he's asking him to pluck it out of thy bosom. Take, take his hand out of his coat pocket and do something about the situation. And then he turns in verse 12 through the end of the passage. He recaps all the good things that God has done through the generations things that he has witnessed and things that have taken place before him and looks forward to what he will do in the future and asks God what he will do in this situation to save his people. During times of crisis, people often use the chaos to push whatever agenda that they have. The ungodly who do not believe in God and they'll use all the chaos and the suffering to point out the fact that there is no God and use that to boost up their position. Also, during crisis, people's faith is tested. They will truly find out if they really believe in God and trust in him because it is very easy to start doubting. Then there are other people that take comfort in the midst of the storm, knowing that they can trust in God. They look back on all the good things that God has done for them, knowing that he is all-powerful and in control of everything. Let's face it, these are some unsettling times. We don't know what tomorrow holds, or any day for that matter. But regardless if this gets much worse, or we find out that it was all a big scare and it wasn't half as bad as we thought, we still know that we can look to God. Stay calm and focused, and remember, even if the government cuts crowd sizes down to one, God is still with you. You can use this time to get to know him better. Also, reach out to your friends and family. Maybe normally you wouldn't have the time to call them, but now you do. Ask them if there's anything you could do for them. Maybe you could share some of that toilet paper you stocked up. In the meantime, if there's anything I can do for you, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at BibleGumPodcast. Hopefully, I've given you something to chew on. And like gum, the Bible should be shared with a friend. Until next time, later.